Hi, welcome to Light the Camera Author. I'm Jim Juno, and this is a podcast where we talk with authors who write books about Hollywood and entertainment and just anything in between. And we're coming up on the 60th anniversary of the assassination of what could be the fair, called the very first TV president, that's John F. Kennedy, but of equal importance and not mentioned nearly as many times is what happened three days later on November 25th when on national TV, uh, Kennedy's accused assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald, was himself assassinated by a man named Jack Ruby. And Danny Fingeroth is the author. He has a new book out called Jack Ruby, the Many Faces of Oswald's Assassin, and he joins us now. Welcome, Danny. Hi. Hi. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Not a problem at all. Now, Jack Ruby is one of these characters whom I I don't know what to think of him. I mean, I understand. You know, very, very short story is that there's no doubt he shot Oswald. There's no, there's no conspiracy about a second gun or anything with Oswald's uh, execution on national TV. But Jack Ruby himself is quite a character. Um, he was, a lot of people think he was a buffoon, but that's not nearly true, is it? Um, well, you know, he was a very complicated guy, which is why I wrote a book about him. By the way, it was on November 24th. Mm. Uh, it said 25th. I said 25th. Oh. I'm sorry. Correction. November 24th. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, um, yeah, this is that's where my 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 picky editor hat comes in. Uh, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, he well he he had a lot of different aspects, and they were extreme. You know, I guess he was a person of extremes, um, and so he had a buffoonish aspect. He had a very scary aspect. He could, you know, he could be very threatening and intimidating. He could be sort of um, almost childlike and 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 uh, naive and and um and, and, and it's very you know i mean the guy did run uh, a strip club and you know i i i think that um there was probably some involvement with prostitution just by the nature of that particular club at that particular time you know people ascribe all sorts of things to him um, he was an FBI informant, although mostly he just informed on his other on, on the uh, competing strip club owners. Um, you know, but he was, um, you know, he was he, he was actually trained. I don't know about trained, but he he wanted to be a boxer. You know, so he was a very violent guy, but he moved gracefully. the The closest analogy, you know, based on footage I've seen of him, including of the day of him killing Oswald is maybe Jackie Gleason in the honeymooners, you know, the way the Gleason is sort of a heavy guy, but he moves like a dancer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ruby was capable of that. I mean, so, you know, people describe sometimes they say Jack Ruby lumbered up or something or staggered up. Jack Ruby danced up to Lee Harvey Oswald. If you look at the video, it's very, it, it, he's very graceful. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the videos uh, several times and I mean, he, he actually blended in quite well with the uh, newspaper people and the TV people, right? Um, you know, and it really, I guess at the time people didn't think that, that 
an assassin would be killed by another person. Well, especially especially a guy who really should have been the most heavily guarded person on the planet at that at that moment, you know, when when so many people were angry at Oswald and wanted uh wanted to to hurt him and kill him, you know, he you know, it was a, it was a for the uh, Dallas police it was a tough balancing act, <clears throat> excuse me, between um wanting to show that they hadn't like beaten him, although he did look a little beat up, but they wanted to show that he hadn't been uh, overly abused uh, mm-hmm. while in custody and being questioned. And yet they also wanted to protect him. But, and I think everybody in town was kind of shell-shocked. I think they kind of just were, you know, uh, disoriented and, and um, you know, so he was not, you know, there, there were plenty of police and plenty of reporters. That was, Part of the uh, the situation was that nobody shot Ruby, you know. Although I think in many ways he was probably expecting to be shot, but because the room, was, you know, everybody was uh, literally and figuratively gun shy after Kennedy having uh, been assassinated, and so you know. Plus, if you look at the footage again, you can see that he's that he's tackled, uh, you know, half a second after, you know, he doesn't even get to shoot a second, to fire a second uh, shot, which which. Pretty seems pretty clear he wanted to do. Oh yeah, I think I think that he he meant to, and and all of a sudden there was eight people on top of him, which right. you know it it shows how well the police reacted. But um, let's, and, let's, and while they're tackling him, he's he's shouting, "You all know me. I'm Jack Ruby." Yeah. In other words, why why are you you know. Uh, I went to kill this guy if he didn't need killing. <laughs> <laughs> You know he, uh, he in the way let's let's talk about how he got in. Um, I mean, this is always this is always uh, kind of stumped me with how was he able to get in. But then, as I was doing research, I believe it was one police officer up on top of the ramp. He had Ruby had just wired some money, I believe, to one of his dancers. Right, right. He had wired money to one of his dancers. Uh, he'd closed the, his club uh, for the weekend. Um, sort of out of respect for the death of the president. Um, and, but, you know, so, so when she came in to get money that he owed her, uh, the club was closed. So he then had to go to the, to the Western Union, which for those of you younger people listening, that was telegrams, which are now not the, not the uh, website, uh, not, the, not the app telegram, but an actual telegram. Anyway, you could wire money. It was an early form of electronic transfer of funds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there was. It was It was kind of like the uh, PayPal of its day. Right. Early Venmo. Yeah, that's uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he got, he'd gone there and he was, you know, and he was he was in he was just a couple of blocks away because everything was in downtown Dallas, including his club. And he had gone uh, to wire that money. And then he saw, you know. One version of the story is I saw a commotion around the uh, Dallas police headquarters and always wanted to be where the action was and know what was going on. And um, and then that he somehow got got in and then, you know, in a in, in a um, almost in a trance automatically, you know, walked up and shot Oswald. There are many people who don't believe that story, of course, but that. That was sort of the basis of his defense of, of Melvin Belli, the uh, probably the most famous lawyer in America at the time, who was defending Ruby. Um, and and um, 
you know, but but I mean, it's funny because I, I I will ask younger people, what's your biggest, you know, if you if you know anything about this this uh, point, this this um, uh, this historical event, what's your big question? And I have heard people say to me, how did Ruby get in? Which to me, if you if you if you know anything, and I mean, I think again, part of why I wrote the book, and it's in the book. Ruby was, I, I call him almost the unofficial mayor of downtown Dallas. You know, he mm-hmm. he made it his business to know everybody. He made it his business to bring sandwiches to the police. He made it his business to like do charitable things to go to if there, if 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 uh, if somebody died, especially if a policeman uh, died in the line of duty, Ruby would go to the funeral and take up collection. You know, he, you know, because he was in such a, you know, sort of the. You know, the he was not in the most reputable business in the world, so he had to keep on good terms with everybody, including the other um, people who own restaurants and uh, and other clubs in downtown Dallas. So, so he was sort of part of the furniture, part of the scenery. So to me, that was if somebody had seen Jack Ruby walking in, they just would have said, "Oh yeah, of course. This is something you know. Some something momentous is going on. Jack likes to be where the action is, um, and while he's here, he'll probably give out uh, you know a promotional uh, business cards for his club. You know, with like a scantily clad uh, you know drawing of a dancer on it. You know, which, which he did <laughs> all that weekend. He was doing that with all the reporters and and so on. So, so that so that you know Ruby was not an unknown. It wasn't like some stranger from out of town." Uh, suddenly shows up. Here was this guy who was as familiar as anybody, uh, including to the police. And he wasn't. He wasn't the first time he was actually in the uh, police headquarters after uh, Oswald was arrested. I think there's a film of him uh, the day of of Oswald's arrest. Right. Well, he was. Well, look. There, you know, there there are theories that he was in there stalking Oswald and looking for an opportunity to kill him. That he. That it was a premeditated thing, whether you know whether whether from whether being ordered by somebody or whether just from the you know his own decision that it had to be done. But you know there there were those who think he that it was not so you know just uh, circumstantial uh, and, and happenstantial that he that he showed up that he was stalking Oswald looking for his opportunity, and that that would have would have been. Um, there was a press conference where they brought Oswald out again to show that he wasn't being beaten up. And again, he looked like he'd been beaten. <laughs> yes, <know>? he did. <laughs> but at least that he was alive. And I, I think, uh, I forget if that's literally when he said, I'm, a, I'm just a patsy. Um, uh, you know, and, and you know, and you can see that there's, there's footage and there's, there's still, you know, still uh, captures from the footage of, of Ruby, you know, kind of perched on a table uh, and people say he was like kind of impersonating a reporter, but I mean, again, everybody, everybody in town knew him. I guess the out of town reporters didn't know who he was, but it certainly, it wasn't like he had a mask on or, 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 or a hat, but you know, he, he was, he was doing what he always did, which was just kind of hanging out and, and wanting to make himself out to be an important person of some kind. Yeah. And it, what always stuck in my mind was that. Uh, he took his dog, his dachshund, uh, downtown with him. Right. So if he had been planning this, why do you take your dog with you? <laughs> you know, look, that, and that's a very good question. Um, 
yeah i mean and that's sort of one of the in a way that's one of the major um you know arguing points for it for it being uh a spontaneous action you know it yeah that's that's because he was very you know he was very close to his dogs i mean in some ways those were probably he was probably closer to his dogs than to his friends and and relatives you know he, he he had a very uh, weird and but loving relationship with his daughter. You know, <laughs> just that he would do that was a, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't he he was not a guy who planned things out very well. So, um, you know, the thing about both him and him that makes it possible for there to be so many books and documentaries and articles and uh, movies about them is because they were both crazy. Whether they were loan nuts is, you know, is, is the question that will dog us forever. Spoiler alert: I do not solve the case. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I uh, my approach to the book was, you know, lots smarter people, have, you know, for decades have been trying to solve the mysteries uh, and the unanswered questions of the Kennedy and Oswald assassinations. I just wanted to shine a light and kind of explore the uh, the psychology and and the life of this really of this of this very important uh, figure who often gets kind of left out of history almost. He does get left out. I mean, and and if you do hear about him, it's because well, it's because of course of the of the Oswald assassination, but also uh, his mental faculties. Uh, in near the end of his life is when i mean when he started apparently tell me if it's true or not he he thought people were being killed in the in the basement of the jail that he was being uh, held in and he thought he had he thought he had started a second holocaust he thought he had started a holocaust in america and that he could hear the screams of uh jewish people being uh, tortured and murdered um because of his actions you know and again, there are some people who think he was he was acting and just pretending to be crazy, but really he'd have to be the world's greatest actor because he kept that up for years. I mean that, yeah. you know, and 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 he, and actually something that did happen, you know, that, you know, was an interesting phenomenon, was because the public was robbed of the opportunity, you know, for a trial for Lee Harvey Oswald and to. You know, try to uh, get um, to the bottom of you know if he did it. You know, was he alone? Did he do it with anybody? Why he did it? Ruby robbed the public of that um, of that possibility, and in a certain way, in a certain weird psychological way, people started looking at him as if he as if he had killed Kennedy. You know, it sort of was this shift of emphasis and shift of emotion. Because when he first when he first did it, he got all these congratulatory letters and telegrams. You know, people, you know, there were like just sacks of mail being brought to him with people praising him and thanking him. And then it's like shifted um, in, you know, say almost almost as if people came to believe that he had killed Kennedy. See, that's the thing. That's something which is really wild, because, I mean, he really thought he was going to be a, considered a hero. Uh, when it was first happening, and I think the police, one of the police officers said, Jack, you're no hero. Uh, you're just a murderer. Yeah, well, I mean, that, uh, you know, you know I, I, it's funny, I have not come across that particular quote, but I'm sure, you know, I mean, that, that's one of the, his, you know, he had a trial, 
um, compared to the way things move today, he was uh, in court very quickly. You know, he um, um, the he killed Oswald you know, in late November, and by February <clears throat> the trial had started and the jury selection, and it was really. You know, maybe until the Chicago 7 or, or Chicago 8 trial, depending on how you count, um, it was the biggest circus trial ever. Everybody in the room was writing a book, including the judge. Um, wow. <laughs> and even and 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 uh, Ruby was not allowed to testify on his own behalf. I think I think they were afraid he would say something, you know, really stupid and incriminate himself. But he had impromptu news conferences like at every recess, you know, whereas Oswald. <laughs> Nobody got to talk to him at all. You couldn't shut you couldn't shut Jack Ruby up for three years. But what he said would always, you know, often contradicted what he said like the day before. Um, you know, he made he 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 implied there were all sorts of conspiracies one day, then the next day he'd say, No, I was totally alone and you know, so he but but they but I mean and plus, not only wouldn't he shut up, but you know, reporters would surge towards him. And so if anybody wanted to kill him, there was plenty of opportunity. He, you know, yeah. Jack Ruby was not well guarded. <laughs> you know, and in a way, Jack Ruby really, I mean, there was a, there's lessons to be learned by the police on how Oswald was, was being transferred. I mean, I know they were doing it for the TV people because they wanted to show Oswald that, like you said, had not been beaten, that he was relatively well. But nowadays, <clears throat> excuse me, nowadays, you'd never see uh, somebody be transferred like that without without wearing at least a bulletproof vest. Right. No, all he was wearing was a T-shirt, and then he went back to get a sweater. You know, that, you know it's one of those big what-ifs, if he hadn't gone to get that sweater. or That's, taken, what, that's what I was going to say, is that if he hadn't gone to get the sweater, he would have missed ruby altogether right uh, yeah no it, uh, you know you hear uh, look that's there are certainly you know there's a there's a there's a train of thought that you know ruby was not a professional hitman he was a very violent guy history of violence you know and and always getting in fights and you know he would go into a fugue state in his club and he acted as his own bouncer so sometimes he would be on the sidewalk like beating somebody's head against the pavement and then he would suddenly go Oh, what am I doing? You know, and as if he didn't have any memory. So, um, you know, so so there's, but he was he he was you know, so although very violent, uh, I don't know if he was ever. There was one time uh, in the '30s when he was questioned in a murder. He was working as a hired muscle for a union, and uh, and 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 there was a um, argument between two of the union officials, and one of them. Uh, shot the other in the back and claimed self-defense, which is interesting. <laughs> and um, and Ruby was questioned, you know, and I, and I think he might have been in the vicinity uh, when other people were killed, but I don't think he was ever arrested for murder or or, or, or accused. But um, so there so there you know there are theories that maybe he was reluctant, maybe somebody threatened his family if he didn't do it, maybe. Um, Maybe he was one of a half dozen people, you know, stationed at various points in Dallas to kill Oswald. And he happened to be, you know, quote unquote, lucky enough to be the one. You know, I, I go into that in the book, but I, you know, I, I have to say the more I study this stuff and, and I've been really a 
researching it for more than 10 years, the less sure I am. I used to be much more sure. And the more I learn, the more I go, well, this is like a fascinating story. And, and this guy is, is, is really, um, interesting in a twisted way. And, and, um, you know, he's a great member of the great, the greatest generation guy, you know, it's sort of, you know, from the same, uh, from the same Chicago Jewish ghetto as Arthur Goldberg, Supreme court justice and Benny Goodman and William S. Paley, who founded CBS, but also was, you know, was hanging around with Al Capone and, and, uh, and other gangsters. But I mean, it's, 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 it's really a greatest generation story gone horribly wrong. It's really the thing with him and Oswald is almost a, you know, Oswald was like 24 when he uh, shot Kennedy, when he got killed, and Ruby was Ruby was 52. So it's really almost a generational battle, you know, uh, or a confrontation uh, is one way to look at, 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 at that violent moment between those two guys. How do you, what do you, in your opinion, you, know, you said you're not, you're, as you did more research and you're now less sure, what is your opinion about uh, Ruby, why he did it? Was it just a, do you think it was just a spur of the moment type of thing? You know, I really, I'm, I'm not trying to weasel out of this question. I, okay. <laughs> I, I do not know it. You know, when, when I'm asked that question, so I'll give you that answer, whatever I read last, whatever documentary I saw last, whatever piece of research I read last, what, you know, I mean, it, you know, he, it's, it's, I used to think he just wanted to be the guy that killed the president and, 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 you know, and, and become a hero. But I think, I think my thinking was too simple and I, you know, there just seemed to be so many loose ends and so many unanswerable things. But if you'd asked me this five years ago, I would have said, he wanted to be the guy that killed the president. Yeah. You know? And he really wanted to be the Jewish guy that killed the president. So that he thought he was kind of doing public relations uh, for the Jews, you know, so people would uh, feel positively towards, you know, I mean, just the opposite. I think, um, you know, most Jewish people were horrified um, uh, that he did that. Yeah. Uh, but so I would have given you that answer um, maybe five years ago. Um, but the, but there, it, it just, uh, you know, I, I've heard this from other just his, historical researchers and biographers that you go into into something, you know, you start researching something, you're writing about something because you have a certain interest in it for whatever reason, and you go into it with a preconceived notion, and then you do the research and you talk to people, and you know, I, I've been, I mean, I've not signed on to any, you know, quote unquote conspiracy theory. Right. Just because they all they all seem to me to have a flaw in them or 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 ask the listener or reader to take a leap in logic or to believe in a series of, of coincidences that are that are highly implausible. So it's not even you know, there there are reasonable theories out there, but even the most reasonable just seem to require um things falling into place so perfectly that are highly unlikely to fall into place that well. That's my feeling is that it was just a perfect storm of coincidences. You know, um, so, so, you know, and again, the thing about him and Oswald is that they were both nuts. And so, and they had a history of, of erratic behavior their entire lives. You know, they just, you know, so to, so, you know, so to try to, to, to create a thread of logic in what they did, is is daunting to me anyway but 
you know, and I'm certainly glad I didn't try to do a biography of Oswald, you know, that uh, <laughs> my head, uh, well, um, my head would have hurt quite a bit, you know, but, but, <laughs> but, Ru but Ruby, I just felt, you know, I spoke, since I was not setting out to solve the case, and when you write a book like this, you, you always think, ha ha, I'll figure it out when these, you know, you know, you know, when smart, when smart people for the past 60 years have not been able to agree, I will figure, but when you get past that, amount that hubris you kind of just go oh, well look let me talk to his relatives let me read let me you know either let me talk to him directly or let me do some deep research into interviews with friends relatives or colleagues competitors you know a girlfriend strip you know just and just try to sort of paint a picture of the guy um and you know i'll i you know, I, I, I'm, I, if I do my job right, I'll probably, you know, piss off a lot of people, you know, <laughs> you know, but I mean, the guy, it's, it's just a fascinating life and a, and, and, and yet a guy who, you know, changed history and, 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 and because nobody ever got to talk in depth to Oswald, you know, uh, set in, you know, in motion, you know, look, I think America's always been prone to, uh, you know, to to beliefs in, you know, shadowy figures manipulating things and conspiracy. But I think, so it wasn't something new, but I think this really kind of, you know, jump-started or, or it, 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 those kind of theory, that kind of theorizing into another level. Exactly. Well, the author's name is Danny Fingerroth, and the book is Jack Ruby, The Many Faces of Oswald's Assassin. Danny, I really want to thank you for being on Light Camera Author tonight. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure.